Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. Hello there, Greg. How are you doing, brother? I'm all right. Uh, before we forget, because I know that I will forget, because that tends to happen, I come in with a plan and then it immediately evaporates. So I want to do this right now while it's top of mind. And uh, just do a shout out for a friend, a colleague of ours, Carrie, over in accounting. She comes over all excited a couple of days ago to tell us that her... Boyfriend? Other half? Other half? Better half? Yeah. No, no. I shouldn't say better half. That's (laughs) she's the better half. I think I think I said other half. Yeah. uh, Carrie, it was Brett who said better half. Yeah, no, I I I retract that. I'm a fool. (laughs) You Uh, are a fool. So Trevor, he's at Crescent Drive on Sunday, golf course. And hole number three, 158 yards, tees off in the seven iron, and hits an ace. A hole in one. So we just wanted to congratulate. Our pal Trevor for this. What's the closest you've been? I came close on Sunday, actually, at Kingswood on the fifth hole. There's a par three, and I think it was only playing about 130. So I hit my pitching wedge, and it just rolled past the hole, and I think was about three feet out. So, And I almost did it links at the lake as well in Gimli on the 10th or the 11th hole. Pardon me. There's a par three there. And it was about the same distance as Trevor did up. It was about 160 yards with a seven iron, and I was... Honestly, within two feet when I putted and missed my birdie putt. Choke artist. So congratulations on the ace. Well done, Trevor. And uh, apologies to Carrie. I didn't mean I the better half I know is is referred to the you say the woman is the better half. Almost like almost always. So we need your advice. We need your help here. Help us play tour guide for the Mortlands who are here from San Diego, the area around San Diego, southernmost California. They are San Diego Chargers fans, and how many of us know the feelings that they are experiencing right now? Because the San Diego Chargers are now the Los Angeles Chargers, and go back to April 1996, April 28th to be exact, when the Winnipeg Jets version 1.0 played their very last game here in Winnipeg and ripped the hearts out of thousands if not tens of thousands of manitobans these folks uh, huge san diego chargers fans for an awfully long time they said nope enough is enough for years it's been threatened that the chargers were going to leave san diego they finally did when a new stadium uh, plebiscite failed so now their team is uh, no longer their team and they've adopted the blue bombers as their new team. How'd and that happen? Part of that had to do with the color scheme is very similar to that of the San Diego Chargers. And once upon a time, uh, there were two renditions of the Blue Bomber logo. One uh, just in the last 15 years or so that incorporated a lightning bolt in the yep. bottom of the W. That's right. And then back in the 60s, that's what the Blue Bombers had on their helmets were lightning bolts. Very oh. similar to the San Diego Chargers. So that basically clinched it for them. Cool. So they pledged uh, back in the early spring that uh, they would come to Winnipeg for a Blue Bombers game, and they are here now. And uh, tomorrow I get to meet Scott and his son Gregory, and we're going to take them around and, and show them a little bit of our city and its uh, splendor. This is the most beautiful time of the year to come to Winnipeg. They've picked a really good time to come. Things could not be greener. Things are gussied up for the Canada Summer Games. So we want your advice as to where to take the Mortlands. We have about three hours, and we want to know where we should take them. What sites should they see, what or cannot miss? And Jeff Curry, right off the bat, mentioned one that I had totally forgotten about at Assiniboine Park. 
the Leo Mole Sculpture Garden. It's an incredible place to visit. Very tranquil, and uh, Leo Mole's work has been featured all around the world. So uh, a very uh, much a source of pride as well. 204-780-6868 is the number to call, and it is the number to text. Where should Greg take our new friends who are in from San Diego to watch the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play football? They've adopted the Bombers as their new football team after the Chargers packed up and left town and left San Diego. Where should Greg take them tomorrow afternoon? 204-780-6868. We already have a number of text messages that have come in. And <laughs> I know what text you're reading right now. Take your guests as you see the city skyline from the top of Garbage Hill. That's right, man. That's a West End institution. Go up to the dump. At uh, this time of year, one can view Winnipeg's gorgeous canopy of trees. And you know what? That's a good, regardless of where you have that vantage point, the canopy of trees is such an appropriate term because when you're up high and you just look around you can see almost nothing but trees and with the occasional building that's kind of sticking out here and there but it almost looks like you're looking down at just a, a giant forest so that's a that's a great suggestion it's Get all a view inspiring of the skyline it really is and uh, uh how many of you like to go there uh, after dark up to the to the dump and take a look at the skyline and other sorts of Activities. Now, when we say Garbage Hill, you mentioned a West End institution. Right. So the, that's just up Empress here, right? Okay. The old dump. We call it, it's Westview Park, I believe, is its official name. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, we just called it the dump or the hill. Yeah. And we would go there to play. They used to have soapbox soap racer races down the hill. Where else are you going to have it in Winnipeg? It's really the only incline, unless you want to do it, I suppose, in a parking structure or something. Yeah. That was once upon a time. And then in my teenage years, that was the go-to place to uh, uh, go in the car and uh, neck. <laughs> <laughs> and neck. On Happy Days, what did they call it? Inspiration Point. That's uh, that's uh, Winnipeg's version of Inspiration Point. <laughs> Good for you, Graham. Do you still call it necking? I don't. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Do you still call it necking? <laughs> So where should Greg take the Mortlands from San Diego tomorrow? Uh, 204-780-6868 is the number to call, and it's the number to text. Here's another funny one, and I think maybe this is the one that Greg thought I was laughing at. Take them to the Silver Spike in Transcona. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening. I think it's a great suggestion. I uh, I am from Transcona, and I have been to the Silver Spike Saloon, I think, three times in my existence. Although I do believe a buddy of mine's getting married, and for the stag, he wants to do a Transcona pub crawl, because we're all from Transcona. What would be on a Transcona pub crawl, other than the Spike? The Central? Is that the yeah. same? The Central? Central's the there, the Pandora, the Royal George. Those will all be in there. Uh, and, uh, and then you got to hit the Oak, and then I the guess. Spike. Ah uh, no, they the because we we would go into the area known as downtown Transco. Okay, so. so you are keeping it old school, big yeah. time, right? Well, there's like five six places you can go all in one little ten, all within ten minutes walk. And you can actually dinner. walk. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a genuine idea. pub crawl. Okay, so we've gone from um, necking at Westview 
Park yep. at the dump to a pub crawl in Transcona to trying to figure out exactly where we should be taking the Mortlands tomorrow on their tour of Winnipeg. Ryan uh, says the Riverwalk by the Forks. Riverwalk by the Forks, that's uh, on the list. Leo Mole Sculpture Garden, that's on the list. Take them down some old streets with big old elms. Uh, that's from Ted. Yeah, uh, Wellington Crescent. We'll have to make sure Wellington Crescent is uh, part of our route Either if, well, we're obviously going to go to a Cinnaboyne Park. Journey to Churchill, I think, is a slam dunk. It's yep. been mentioned already three times on text. Uh, the Leo Mall Sculpture Garden. So yeah. So and then we can incorporate uh, Wellington Crescent into the into the journey to the journey to Churchill. I like that. I'm writing that down right now. This is an interesting suggestion, given that they're in for sports. Texter says, take your San Diego folks over to. The upper level of the flea market at 1111 Ellis at Aaron, lots of older sports memorabilia, including bomber programs, histories, even an ancient Saskatchewan rider record LP. And it's open from noon until three tomorrow and then again on the weekend. So I don't know. That's an interesting idea to show them some uh, old bomber history. Uh, One great place to take those people for a tour would be Lower Fort Gary. Yeah, that would be fantastic. It's a little too far and it's kind of would take up all three hours. Outstanding choice, though. Even my kids love going there. What about the park then on uh, Main Street at Broadway? Is that Upper Fort Gary? Upper Fort Gary. Absolutely. Writing it down. Yep. Um, Let's see here. Take them to DeLuca's for lunch Mm, or even just get DeLuca's takeout. Catfishing on the Red, the Bridge Drive-In. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? Some great ice cream places. Uh, I'm a big fan of Sergeant Sunday, but BDI is right there as a close second. Um, you mentioned Journey to Churchill. How about the food trucks on Broadway? Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Food trucks on Broadway. Dave M. is a, is a little on the skeptical side. He says, a three-hour window on our streets? Lucky to take in two sites. <laughs> There, there will re- you will need to do some strategic planning on this. There's no question about to, it because three hours seems like a lot of time, but it's not really. So. I know, but I know a lot of shortcuts. Oh, I'm sure I know a lot of shortcuts. I know you, you're the the milkman. You probably <laughs> had all the shortcuts when you were a milkman. Fort Gibraltar, yeah, Fort Gibraltar. I think that's an excellent uh, conversation to have. I think that should be on the list as well. I love it. Some Canada Games venues, Fort Gibraltar. Fantastic. Here's Look a, at the list of stuff coming in. Holy man. Ted makes another suggestion, too, just to to sort of go off of the canopy suggestion of old trees. Ted says, just take them down some old streets with the big old elms. That's a, that's a, actually a pretty nice suggestion. <laughs> Find a social and crash it. <laughs> well, nice. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It's the number to text. Where should Greg take our new friends from San Diego as they come here tomorrow to visit to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play. Where are they playing tomorrow? Montreal Alouettes. Les Alouettes, gentil Alouettes. 117, your forecast is coming up next. This is very San Diego-like weather. Problem is they get this weather in March, April, May, (laughs) October, November. It's probably not. It's probably actually cold for them. I'm going to look up the temperature right now in San Diego. It's the, like the ideal. They call San Diego the best climate in the United States. Really? Yeah, because it doesn't necessarily get hot, hot. Ooh, I like that. 
Oh, it's actually warmer in Winnipeg right now. It's what 26 it? here. It's 24 in San Diego. Yeah, right and, but it's only it's also only 11:20 in the morning there. So oh, very me. comparable day. Very 25. comparable day. Yeah, they're catching up. Feels like 32. <laughs> they're catching up. It's not a surprise. So uh, our friend the friends of the Mortlands will be uh, very comfortable here in Winnipeg, and I'm sure when they go home, they'll have nothing but amazing things to say. And you know what? Are we making too big? Like, I'm, I'm going to be skeptic of something that we're doing ourselves. Are we making too big of a deal out of a couple of people from California that are coming here? Because I know when I go to California, nobody really cares. I think it's a great idea that uh, we're showing them, giving them the VIP treatment, because it is sort of an odd thing for this pair of San Diego Chargers fans to suddenly adopt the Blue Bombers as their their new team. But it also is a tie that makes sense, given your explanation about the similar colors and the similar uniforms. And I'd also, I also think it's just a way for Winnipeg to showcase, I mean, it says it right on our license plate, friendly Manitoba. Why not be friendly to these two people coming to visit us? I agree. I just wanted to play devil's advocate for a moment. It felt good to do that. I might have to try that more often. It is fun occasionally. Georgina is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Georgina, where should Greg take Hi. father and son from San Diego? How do you do? Take them to the casino. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> McPhillip Street Station. It's $43 million renovations going. Uh-huh. Now, I don't want to play your specific machine, Georgina. Or no, maybe we I just... wouldn't tell you what it is <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I had a feeling you had a favorite. <laughs> I do have two of them. <laughs> you know what? I drove past there uh, just the other day. I try to avoid McPhillips. It's one of my least favorite routes uh, oh. any day of the week. But this was a Saturday, so I didn't mind. Actually, it was Sunday, so I didn't mind. And I noticed all the extensive renovations on the outside, inside mm-hmm. as well. Coming there, coming, yeah. Very good. But they're, uh, the car automatically turns in there, so you don't have to worry about going past it. <laughs> Didn't you know that? Georgina, you are yes. spitfire. You can call us anytime. No, I love your I sense know, of humor. It's great. You know what? Those people would be out of the heat, and they'll be putting some money into the casino, and they'll see how beautiful it is. Georgina just wants to see that uh, big jackpot grow larger and larger. I'm on to you, Georgina. I know There's what's going one there on. For a million dollars? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How would you feel <laughs> if they won it and they took that money back home with them? You wouldn't be so happy then. Oh my. Yeah. They'd have to give me some because I told them to go there. <laughs> Finder's fee for Georgina. Right on. Thanks, darling. Appreciate the call. Okay. Eve says, too bad you can't drive down Highway 3 all the way to Brunkhill, then show them how flat the prairies really are. I don't know if that's... Yeah, you know what? Well, we talked to that uh, to Prairie Sky uh, guest a few weeks back, and he his nickname is Prairie Sky because... I think that he just chose that name because he he was talking about the coming back from Ontario and you just get to a right. certain point and then boom there's the prairie sky it just opens up and my I it's something that I take for granted but my understanding is people who are not from here find it kind of neat yeah it is awe-inspiring at times. There's no question about it. Uh, the Rotating Restaurant Hotel Fort Gary and uh, just point out the other sites. This is great. That way they won't see our roads. <laughs> For <laughs> <So, laughs> Fort Gary across the street. Yeah, there's the big hammock there. Yeah, that's right. Right now, that public art installation. Uh, our good friend Brent Bellamy texted or tweeted something the other day that I noticed. He says, and other than the other day when we went to Santa Lucia and it was raining on the verge of storming, I've not driven past there yet uh, without seeing people in that hammock. 
Yeah, no, it's right. been very, very popular. If you haven't checked it out, go do it. Where that Petro Canada used to be on Main and Broadway at the uh, new uh, provincial park, the uh, Upper Fort Gary. Go uh, see it and uh, test out the hammock. It's gigantic. Bert, very great observation, Bert. Bert says, hey, boys, there is a bomber connection to San Diego, as our former coach Mike Riley was their head coach at one time. Oh, we have you listed as Bert, but he signed it as Herb. So I'll have to get to the bottom of that. But hey, Bert slash Herb, thanks for the, that. That's a great history lesson. Forgot about a that. A walking tour downtown about the Grain Exchange and Winnipeg's history. The architecture of the old banks, buildings uh, are quite interesting. Totally agree. Thank you, Kyle. The ghost signs. The ghost signs. Take him for the ghost sign tour in the exchange. Lots to do. Uh, Kyle also, St. Boniface Cathedral says there there is an option. What else? There was another one here that I thought I liked. Um, uh, boat tour, if possible. Maybe you could take them on the river taxi from the Forks. These are great. These yeah. are great. And the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, somebody texted. So there's, uh, or you could take them to the Manitoba Museum. Take them to touch the universe. Is that still a thing? Can T- you still touch the universe? Yeah, you can. I have the universe. I've been there for a while. My kids like to go there too. Um, The big Winnipeg sign, aren't they unveiling that today? Oh, yeah. That gigantic Winnipeg sign. Everybody's going to see that. Yeah, because Richard Cloutier admonished us to make sure that we get down there and get a picture on the Instagram. And I said we would do that. I went to the Parker Lands instead. Sorry, Richard. (laughs) I'm just not going to do it. I was doing some journalist imitation stuff. Good for you. Yeah. And we're going to hear some of that after two, uh, 2.30. Or what time are we doing that? Yeah, 2.30. 2:30. Yep. Okay. After 1.30, we're going to learn more about the ghost signs. There is something happening this weekend. The ghost signs are coming to life in the Exchange District, and we'll tell you all about that after Global News at 1.30 on 680 CJOB. 1.34, glorious day. Yet another one here in southern Manitoba. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you until 4 o'clock. Lots of stuff planned for the rest of the afternoon. We've got story of something that, oh boy, I can't wait to see this on Saturday night. You, you hang out down in the exchange, Brett? And I'm not talking about downtown Transcona. I'm talking about downtown Winnipeg. <laughs> I have not been to downtown Trans. The only time I go to downtown Transcona is for my haircuts. I know. At Tony's Barbershop. I tease you. Uh, and then upcoming later this month. But no, I don't spend a whole lot of time downtown or in the exchange district, which is, unless I'm like... Driving home from somewhere, I try to go through the exchange. I don't really don't spend enough time down there. I was down Saturday night with uh, the boys. We went to a movie and then we went to check out uh, the free stage as part of the Fringe Festival. Thousands of people downtown. It was fantastic. And then Sunday night, we were down uh, with a group of friends for dinner and then uh, walked around a little bit. And to see that part of the city bustling with activity is, you know, it's so heartwarming. It's a way it ought to be. And it, as I've said so many times, unfortunately, it's one of those things that when you're there experiencing it, you look at one another and you go, boy, I don't even feel like I'm in Winnipeg anymore. And if you squint a little bit with the modern buildings in the background and the old buildings, incredible architecture, you can imagine yourself in Chicago or New York. I've been to both places and we sometimes underestimate how incredible we have it here in Winnipeg. But one of our, um, well, he's been uh, on this program in the past and, and he's got kind of a neat tour that used to go on with regard to these ghost signs. We mentioned the Amazing Race Canada 
And one of the things they had to do here in Winnipeg, which was? They had to go into the exchange district and find a specific set of ghost signs. And for some of them, it was an easy task. For others, not so much. Likely because, A, most of them had never been here, so they didn't know where to look. They didn't know what they were looking for. Uh, but, two, a lot of them are just sort of tucked away, hidden. And these, this little tour is going to bring them all to life. And ghost signs in the Exchange District are being brought to life. Painted in Light happens this Saturday night. We have Matt Cohen's energy to thank for this. Matt joins us now. And, Matt, thank you for your time. Thank you for this incredible project. Tell us all about it. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it happens this Saturday night from 9 to 11. Um, uh, experiential designer Craig Winslow is coming up from uh, Portland, Oregon to uh, help out with this project. Uh, and basically, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a light projection. Uh, so we get sort of industrial projectors, uh, and uh, we recreate the original ghost signs on the side of these buildings and then project them back on the buildings as if they were freshly painted. Uh, the twist is that they're animated. You know, the letters will come in different ways, and we incorporate the actual retail product in them, uh, and it's just an interesting way to experience these signs like you've never seen them before. So what goes into to programming this? Because if you're shooting the light right at the sign so that it's in line with the sign, do you have to figure out, okay, we need to set up the projector at X angle and Y feet away from the building, or what goes into that? Yeah, well, actually, um, it, uh, it takes a lot of coordination. Um, Craig has been doing this for the last uh, year and a half. He just spent uh, the last year as an Adobe creative resident, and he's brought uh, these ghost signs back to life across the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, and so essentially, you just take a picture of them, and then you vectorize all the letters in, uh, in uh, Adobe Illustrator. Uh, and then you get a, an industrial projector, and usually on a rooftop or at whatever face level you can get. Uh, and then you project it uh, as best you can over top of the original letters. It takes some... Uh, a program called Mad Mapper to make sure that everything's lined up and all the letters, uh, you know, sort of are on top of each other. Uh, but uh, it's a lot of coordination, and uh, he's, he usually does one a night. Um, and uh, on Saturday in Winnipeg, just because we have one of the most concentrated collections in North America, we're actually doing five signs all at the same time in the exchange. Okay, so uh, they're going to happen all at once, and so uh, you'll be able to create a little bit of a mini walking tour for yourself, or is there an official tour? Tell us about that, Matt. No official tour, so um, usually just trying to get people to start at Old Market Square. If you're looking at the Cube stage in front of you, uh, there's one directly behind you for uh, Stobart and Sons. Uh, and then if you uh, if you look over to the right, you should be able to see one for a company called Robinson and Weber. And then if you walk east along Bannatyne to Main Street, you'll see another three signs there. And then if you walk up uh, Main Street to McDermott Avenue, you'll see a Milady chocolate sign uh, lit up at the end of the block. Uh, so it's uh, you know you can go to paintedandlight.ca and there's a there's a map and uh, sort of a history of the signs and uh, and the ones that we're uh, we're bringing back to life on Saturday are are included on there for people that are interested in the history of them as well. So you're described by the Exchange Dist- District Biz, the uh, Business Improvement Zone, as a Winnipeg urban archaeologist. What is an urban archaeologist? Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit like Indiana Jones, uh, but uh, my, my specialty is sort of bringing back the history of, uh, of the area. So, uh, you know, these ghost signs, everybody kind of looks at them in different ways. Some people appreciate the typography or the history of advertising. Other people like, you know, the, uh, the businesses that were around and the history of Winnipeg as we grew. And so, uh, you know, I, I just sort of help to bring those to life and, and, and reveal layers of, of these, uh, these buildings and, and the exchange and how it, was, how it was formed in an interesting way that people haven't really thought about 
out before. Um, so, uh, you know, all I'm doing is kind of a conduit for all the research and people can kind of interact with it in ways that they uh, they that are relevant to them. Do you get a sense that people uh, generate a little bit of pride when they learn a little bit more about our past and what an incredibly busy uh, community Winnipeg was when it was uh, first established and, and in particular in the early 1900s is there a is there a renewed sense of 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 vitality uh, both past and present when you when you go down this path yeah, I think, you know, people are really drawn to to the history of Winnipeg and, and everyone's sort of, you know, you learn about the architecture of the buildings or, you know, what happened on this particular date. And, you know, it's, it's kind of just it becomes background noise after a while. When you walk around the exchange, you kind of notice all these things, but you don't really think about it. Uh, so it's just it's really interesting when people um, sort of get a little bit of a history tour on, you know, why this building is located in this particular region is because, you know, this building owner was cousins with a person across the street and they got a good deal on the on the land. So it just gives you a better or different perspective of the area and uh, and again people are just really um, you know it gives them a, a better appreciation of, of how Winnipeg was formed and, and the, the rich history that we have in the, in the downtown area. Just need to mention there is a situation happening at the perimeter and St. Mary's Road. We're told that emergency crews are at the scene at the perimeter and St. Mary's Road. Traffic is backed up in the area so if you are heading in that direction you want to keep your eyes open for that maybe even try to find an alternate route. Matt Cohen is our guest. He is a Winnipeg urban archaeologist. And this Saturday night, Matt and Portland designer Craig Winslow are going to bring new life to ghost signs throughout the exchange. And I understand as well that there is going to be a sneak peek sort of event happening uh, tomorrow night on McDermott. There is, yeah. We're um, we're actually having Craig. He gets in tomorrow afternoon, and he's going to be giving a talk around eight o'clock at Fourth on McDermott, uh, just talking about his experiences over the last year as an Adobe Creative resident, uh, his interest in ghost signs, and uh, and basically the work that he's been doing over the last couple of years. Uh, and then afterwards, we're going to be doing some testing for Saturday night. So uh, if you happen to be in the exchange, uh, you know, keep an eye out on the signs anytime after ten o'clock, and you might get a sneak peek of what we're going to be doing on Saturday. So Matt, five separate projectors. So how much does one of these projectors cost? What is it worth? It's a good question. You'll have to ask Evolution AV. <laughs> they're, uh, they're our projector partner for, for the night. Uh, you know, obviously, they're not standard ones that you have in office. They're, they're more, uh, you know, in line with what you'd have at a drive-in movie theater. So, uh, you know, they've had to bring the, some from Winnipeg and then from other areas in Canada specifically for the event. Uh, so they're great to, to have on board, uh, making sure that these things are able to get projected. Uh, you know, you get the sense of the scale uh, from the street as, you know, pretty big. But when you go up with a tape measure and they're 30 feet by 50 feet, uh, you realize that you need uh, some heavy uh, uh, power to actually be able to project these things. Yeah, I'm just uh, in my dream of dreams imagining this is a permanent installation and what the dollars and cents would be involved in, in keeping these things alive uh, more often and, and for uh, a longer period of time than just this one night. It, it never hurts to uh, dream a dream, right, Matt? It's true. Yeah, I get asked that a lot about what, uh, you know, what my sense is. Should these things be preserved or painted over or protected in some way? And I actually really like the fact that they're temporal, they mark a point in time, and that in a, a generation or two, they won't be around. And I think that's what's so interesting for me about the research that I'm doing is I'm bringing these signs to light and, and, and uh, letting people sort of, you know, enjoy them in their own uh, way. And that, uh, you know, in, in a generation or two, they won't be around. So it's, it's kind of a special thing that people are able to, uh, to participate in. I have to admit that I, I'm feeling a little ashamed right now because I, I'm looking at the, some of these signs and some of them I, I 
don't recognize. Like there's this glass shine window cleaner. It cleans and shines. Yeah. And uh, this is, um, where is that? Well, that's that's one of the ones we're bringing back to life, and it's uh, it's uh, right behind 441 Main Street, uh, pretty much on the corner of Maine and Bannatyne. And that's the interesting thing for me is I, I've been doing this research for about four years now, uh, and when I started, I thought there were probably about 20 or 30 signs in the exchange and that it would be a good winter project for me. Uh, but uh, in the end, it turned out there were closer to about 150 ghost signs uh, in the exchange district. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, and the only way to, to figure that out is just to walk, you know, up and down the streets looking at the rooftops and see if you can spot any uh and uh, yeah in the end that was that was around the tally so tell us again uh one more time about what's happening thursday matt Sure. So Craig uh, Winslow, um, he is coming uh, coming into town that night, and he's going to be giving a talk um, at uh, 4th on McDermott uh, about uh, his experiences as an Adobe Creative resident and uh, the uh, the project that uh, that we're bringing to life on Saturday night. So you can get a sneak peek of uh, of him and uh, and some of the signs as they're lit up uh, that evening for some tests. And then on Saturday is the uh, is the big event from nine uh, nine to eleven in the exchange. Now, do I need a ticket for that event Thursday or? No, it's free, uh, free to all those who can make it. So, uh, you know, capacity is around 100. So if, uh, if you're interested, I'd recommend showing up a little early. Um, but uh, no, uh, everything that we're doing this weekend is, is completely free. It's uh, basically designed for, for uh, you know, everybody that's in town for the Fringe Festival or the Canada Summer Games or just, you know, people in Winnipeg that are interested in these signs to experience in their own terms uh, without any costs associated. Fourth, uh, by the way, is located at 171 McDermott Avenue. It's a cafe uh, located there. And also, there, isn't there something at 8 o'clock on Saturday? I think a, a rooftop reception of some sort? Yeah, so Fourth has a rooftop, and it's actually directly below the Milady sign that we're lighting up. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have uh, the traveling sign painters, a group of uh, sign painters in, in the city that are uh, sort of uh, bringing the craft back to life again. Uh, and they're going to be doing some live uh, sign painting from 9 to 11 on the rooftop. Uh, seating's limited. There's only space for about 30 on the roof. Uh, but uh, if you're interested, you can always try to make your way up there uh, and, uh, and see uh, them working under uh, one of the signs that it's illuminated that night. Another Matt, question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, just, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you mentioned that uh, these these signs uh, might be gone <clears throat> within a couple of generations. Would there is there a, <clears throat> pardon me? Is there any effort to make sure that these signs don't disappear to restore them? Uh, no, I mean, there are some heritage bylaws in the city, thankfully. So in the Exchange District, it's a National Historic Site of Canada. So the signs uh, do have, uh, uh, they're, called, they're defined as a character-defining element of the building. So you can't actually paint them over or do anything. Uh, there was some uh, controversy last year when Red River College uh, covered up uh, a ghost sign on the uh, south side of the, uh, the culinary school. Uh, but uh, it turns out they didn't paint over it. It's actually just placards that they put over top of the original sign. And I guess the idea is in another... 50 or 60 years if they decide to sell the building that uh, they could just take their sign down and then you'd be able to reveal the, the one underneath. It obviously costs money to put on an event like this. Have you got a sponsor or something that you want to thank, Matt? Because this uh, is one of the most incredible things uh, that uh, I, in my opinion, is being done uh, to celebrate uh, Canada 150 and, and the uh, Fringe Festival and everything that's going on in the city of Winnipeg over the next couple of weeks. This is fantastic, my man. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, um, uh, Travel Manitoba, when I mentioned that I was doing it, came to the table and they've been a huge supporter of it. Of course, Evolution AV for the projectors and all the equipment, uh, you know, and and I have to thank the building owners that uh, not only are allowing us to project on their buildings, but the ones that are allowing us up on the roofs uh, to set up. And, you know, there's a, there's a team of about 20 volunteers that are helping out the night of too, to make sure that everything is running smoothly. So, uh, you know, obviously can't thank everybody, but, uh, you know, it takes a big group of people. Uh, And of course, uh, Craig Winslow, Um, you know, when I, uh, when I reached out um, last year to see if he was interested in coming to Winnipeg, uh, you know, as soon as I told him about the concentrated collection that we have in the exchange, uh, that was the big deciding factor for him is uh, normally if he wanted to do five signs in a night, he'd have to travel, you know, five or 10 minutes from sign to sign to be able to do it. And Winnipeg's really unique in the fact that we have them just, you know, uh, in, a, in about 20 square blocks. So, Ghostsigns.ca still a going concern. And how about the walking tours? Uh, yeah, they still are. So um, uh, ghostsigns.ca is uh, an archive of all the signs in the exchange or a growing archive. It's tough to, to have them all there if we don't have full histories. Uh, walking tours, um, again, it's one of those things that try to deliver for free. So we gave four over the course of Doors Open. Uh, we might be giving some as part of Nuit Blanche and Culture Days this year. Um, they're, uh, they're not scheduled to happen kind of every weekend or every other weekend. I think, again, it's one of those things if you find out about the tours, um, you know, uh, sign up early and, and get on them. But uh, we try to keep them free so that people can just, uh, again, um, um, enjoy them for what they are and not have to worry about going out of pocket to experience these signs in a new way. All right, Matt Cohen. Hey, thank you so much for this. And also, uh, paintedinlight.ca is a website that has all the information on this as well. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Matt is an urban archaeologist. He is behind ghostsigns.ca. This Saturday night, he and Portland designer Craig Winslow are going to bring new life to ghost signs throughout the exchange. And again, more information at paintedinlight.ca. So cool. We'll not miss this on Saturday night. Your forecast is coming up next. One fifty-three Wednesday afternoon, of course, tomorrow night. Uh, as mentioned, the Blue Bombers in action against the Montreal Alouettes. Bob Irving, the voice of the Blue Bombers, back in the saddle. Right here on 680 CJOB, as he was Monday night for the coaches show. 5.30, our coverage gets underway. And uh, just after 7.30, the kickoff right here on 680 CJOB. Bob Irving, Doug Brown, and a cast of many more uh, bringing you all the action. The Bombers going into the game 2-2 two and two after their 45-42 loss to the British Columbia Lions on Friday night on the West Coast. Brett... This whole idea of bringing these ghost signs to life, it just absolutely enthralls me. I think it's such a cool idea. I love when you see these ideas and it's like, oh my, how did they even think of that to do that? (laughs) You know, it just seems so brilliant, such an incredible way to uh, bring them back to life and to, uh, and leave them preserved all at once, right? It's a nice balancing act. I think it's uh, a great idea. It's a way to celebrate our heritage and i you mentioned the amazing race and i remember watching that episode and thinking man what a neat thing to to showcase for the visit to winnipeg for that particular episode uh to show not just winnipeggers but all of canada that winnipeg has this really cool history that you can't find anywhere else like you said it has the the largest concentration of these ghost signs anywhere in North America. And as I pointed out as well, like it's just another example of something that we have right under our nose that you might not even know about. Like I, I don't, I, I don't, I've never, this Milady chocolate sign he pointed out, I couldn't tell you where that is. 
He, I mentioned the, the glass shine window cleaner one. I had no idea where that was. A lot of these things, I think you probably have seen them all, but we see them so often, maybe we just forget. They just become part of the background, something that we expect uh, to either notice or not notice. And so typically it's like that outside validation that we need every once in a while. We need someone from somewhere else to go, hey, you realize this is really cool, right? And you understand this way. You understand this isn't commonplace elsewhere. And what a strange way as well. I'm just thinking about the the fact that the, they they paint the stuff on these walls and then it's just permanent advertising. I wonder what it cost back then. Great question. To get that, we should have asked <laughs> Matt. Matt. <laughs> I forgot to ask Matt. Also, we had a a question that we will be asking Matt Heather. Uh, outstanding question, by the way. She wanted to know if this is being filmed for those of us that may not be able to see the ghost signs on Saturday night. We're hoping that's the case, and we will find out for you. Yeah, the website once again is paintedinlight.ca. So I'm sure that after the weekend there will be some more information on that website. And as well, ghostsigns.ca is Matt's website as well. He is an urban, urban archaeologist putting all of this together. And it's just a really unique way to celebrate our history and our heritage. After Global News at 2 o'clock, we are going to speak with a Winnipeg transgender woman who served in the Canadian military and reserves, and she has some things to say about the decision from U.S. President Donald Trump, who tweeted today that transgender individuals will no longer be able to serve in the American military. We'll have that for you after Global News at 2 o'clock on 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. want to set the table a little bit here with just a couple of pieces of audio from the United States. Now, this first clip is from June 30th, 2016. Defense Secretary Ash Carter. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm here today to announce some changes in the Defense Department's policies regarding transgender service members. Americans who want to serve and can meet our standards should be afforded the opportunity to compete to do so. And then this is a clip of Donald Trump on the campaign trail, so prior to his presidency. Only weeks ago, in Orlando, Florida, 49 wonderful Americans were savagely murdered by an Islamic terrorist. This time, the terrorist targeted LGBTQ community. No good. And we're going to stop it. As your president, I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and oppression of a hateful foreign ideology. Believe me. Donald Trump saying he will do whatever it takes to protect the community. And then this morning, he sends out a series of tweets that read, after consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. 
Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Thank you. Those were sent out at 7.55 a.m., 8.04 a.m., and 8.08 a.m. this morning. So, Clay Young, in our newsroom, in the Global Newsroom, says, Hey, I think I know somebody who would be a perfect fit to talk to about this. And we've been hearing clips in our news. Uh, Clay did a brief interview with her in the news, and we thought we would have her on for a longer chat. Uh, Her name is Patricia McNorgan. She is a Winnipeg transgender woman who served in the Canadian military and reserves. And she joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. So you uh, served in the Canadian military and reserves. So I guess the first question is the, the simplest one. What was your reaction when you heard this news from Donald Trump? Well, I wasn't surprised. Um considering the source um i I just uh i just feel that america's taken a huge step backwards um i I don't see how america can call itself um a world leader when they're adopting uh these these really backward policies it's you know it's 2017 and uh, instead of moving forward with um, uh, with a more open policy and uh, in helping out um, transgender service men and women uh, in America, they're saying that um, <laughs> we don't even want you. Uh, it's it's totally ridiculous. When you did your uh, transition, Patricia, uh, tell us where you were in terms of your military career and, and how that started, and and uh, how did the Canadian military treat you while you were uh, in midst of, of your transition? Well, it was towards the end of my career. Um, I first joined uh, the Air Force in 1968 and served for four years in the regular force, and then I uh, got out, and uh, I rejoined the Air Reserve in 1989, and um, I transitioned towards the end of my career in 2008. Uh, The policy in the military at that time was that um, uh, retirement was at the age of 60, so I I transitioned uh, at the age of 58. Um, It was um, something that I went into not, not knowing um, how it was going to come out. I mean, you, you kind of have an idea, but uh, you, you people are uh, tended to react to you differently. And I, I've, it's been my experience that um, you just can't predict how people are going to react um, when you transition. People I think that you, that you think are going to be supportive are not. And people that you think will not be supportive are. Um, but generally, uh, with me, the vast majority of people that I worked with and came in contact with uh, were supportive uh, of my transition. Now, you mentioned uh, we had a clip 
in the news that I read at 2 o'clock. And I think the words uh, that came out of your mouth were suck it up in terms of women who were a little uncomfortable with you using the women's washroom. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, this was uh, information that was related to me. Um, It didn't happen to me firsthand, but um, it came to my attention, uh, you know, after the fact uh, that there were not a lot, but a a few of the women who were upset about me using the women's washroom. And uh, they were told by the major whom they were complaining to that, you know, you don't like it, that's too bad because uh, the policy in the Canadian forces is that that we uh, support uh, transi- transitions and transgender uh, people and they have uh, the right to transition and uh, they will not be discriminated against. a very strong policy. And um, in some cases it was needed. In most cases, I feel that that it was not needed because um, the people would have supported me with or without um, that directive uh, from the Canadian forces. But it was there, so you know, I'm sure it uh, it stood in the way of um, uh, of some people who would have voiced their displeasure at my uh, transition. Patricia, it wasn't that long ago that homosexuality and and homosexuals were not allowed to serve in the American military. Do you know when that changed in the Canadian military, or was the Canadian military always open to having uh, individuals with uh, different sexual orientation involved and and a part of the services? No, it wasn't always open. Uh, When I first uh, joined in 1968, there uh, part of the uh, paperwork that I filled out, there, were, there was a questionnaire, and this was prior to um, to my being accepted into the service, was, um, do you have homo- homosexual tendencies? And uh, it was my understanding that if you had um, answered yes to that, that you w- would not be enrolled in the, in the Canadian Forces. Uh, the The... When that changed, I'm I'm not aware, but it but it did it did change, um, you know, some time ago. Um, when you answered that question, did you have did you have cause for pause? What was uh, went went through your mind when you had to tick one box or the other? There. Yeah. No. Um, no, I was uh, I was interested in the question, but um, I, I've never been gay, so it did not apply. No, it didn't apply. So I, I looked at it and thought, you know, well, interesting. But um, I didn't think, well, I'm going to lie about it because I'm not gay. Um, so it didn't concern me, really. The justification for that question and for that policy was had to do with the idea of, you know, men in the trenches uh, fighting uh, shoulder to shoulder had to not be distracted and to not have to worry about whether or not one of their brothers in arms would be interested them in them in the sexual way, which is one of the justifications for keeping women out of the fighting forces for an awfully long time. Did, did, did you buy any of that? And, and, you know, when those conversations took place, uh, where did you stand on them, and, or did you just stay silent? 
Um, I think that uh, if you go back, um, that that human nature is, and this was the way it was, um, it has been um, described to me, uh, not in the way that that uh, you're talking about um, that men would be interested in uh, in women, but more, and, and of course, you know, there is some uh, some truth to that, but. You know, when you're in a combat situation, I'm sure you're not thinking amorous thoughts. Um, but the thing was, it's it's human nature for uh, males to be protective of of females. So the way it was described to me was that, uh, and I'm talking about a combat situation now. That if a a female soldier was was in in combat and went down, it would be um, the male would automatically protect the female, would stop, in other words, would stop fighting to make sure that the female was okay. Um, in a combat situation, of course, you you can't do that. You have to, you know, move move forward with the uh, with the operation. Uh, so I think that was more of a concern than. You know, are there going to be uh, any relationships, uh, you know, going on with uh, between men and women in in that situation? Of course, we that doesn't apply anymore in the in the Canadian forces, and it's um, the the trades are uh, wide open right now. I don't believe uh, I think a Submariner was the last trade where. Uh, uh, women were not allowed to serve, but that's uh, been removed as well. So. Patricia, do you have a few more minutes to stick around? We'd like to ask you uh, a few more questions if you if you have the time. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Great. Stand by, Patricia. We just need to check our forecast. Patricia McNorgan is our guest. She is a Winnipeg transgender woman who served in the Canadian military and reserves, and we're speaking with her today because of the ruling today from U.S. President Donald Trump that transgender individuals will be barred from serving in the U.S. military. We will continue our conversation after we look at the weather up next. Patricia McNorgan joins us now. Patricia served in the Canadian military in the Air Force back in the late 1960s and uh, served in the reserves. Before, can we say that comfortably, Patricia? You know, you told us that you you transitioned near the end of your career, so it's safe to say you served uh, 95% of your military service as a man, correct? And so uh, we are talking about an announcement from Donald Trump. This is not Trump bashing. You know, every single time we share a story of Donald Trump's old own words, we are accused of Trump bashing. This is an announcement we've done nothing but utter and relate to you his own words from his own Twitter account. We haven't bashed anything. We are getting reaction from Patricia this afternoon. And you know what? Why do we have to close our ears to these conversations based on the fact that you have an interpretation that we're bashing Donald Trump? We are delivering. This is news of the day, and we're getting very appropriate reaction on this, Brett. Yeah, I can't think of anybody more suitable to react to this than somebody who has served in the military and has made 
the transition. And Patricia, you made your transition in 2008. You've you've talked about uh, your experience within the military. How about just in general? How has the how did the transition go for you at first? Was it uh, were you met by any either skepticism or uh, you know you mentioned the lack of support from people you would think you would support you? So I guess just tell us how did the transition go? Um, I didn't, as I mentioned before, I didn't have any expectations as to how it was going to go. I just didn't know. Um, it was hard. It it's. Uh, it's a very difficult uh, thing to do uh, to transition uh, to the other gender. Um, at least it was for me. Um, I think everybody has uh, their own set of circumstances, but um, but it was uh, it, it was hard to do. Um, it's, uh, I can't uh, I can't say that it was easy. I had um, I, I, I had lost. Uh, members of my family um, over it, um, uh, friends who um, were my friends all my life um, decided that they no longer wanted to um, to be friends with me. Um, and like I said earlier, I found support in, in very unexpected places. Um, for example, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think my brother would be uh, supportive. He's he's older and was also a career uh, military um, officer in the Armored Corps, and he's been uh, been very supportive. Um, when I told him what I was doing, his reaction was, um, "Well, you're my brother, and you'll always have my love and support." And um, so there were things like that that happened, and things like um, like losing my mother, and, and that was shocking to me. And uh, it was um, it, it's something that that um, will always uh, be a hurt in my life is uh, is not having having her her as a part of my life. You know, she's she's basically uh, treating me as though I was dead. Patricia, I have to ask you before we let you go, if you could go back in time 10 years, would you do this all over again? Yeah, I had to. It was, um, it, it's, it's not something that, that you do on a whim, and people um, should understand this, that um, it, it's expensive, it's uh, painful, there's a lot of surgery to go through, um, and people's reaction to you on a day-to-day basis um generally pretty good but but you'll come uh to points during the day where you'll get that look um that that you just know uh the person is you know regarding you as i don't know just you know not not quite right we're uh a lot of transgender people are, are uh, visible minorities. Um, so you get that. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was something that I, that I had to do if I wanted to continue uh, with my life. It had got to that point. 
so people who transition, uh, <laughs> they don't do it lightly. It's not like, oh, well, I'm going to try this uh, today. No, that there's a lifetime of thought and a lifetime of conflict and uh, and feelings of, of shame that uh, that go along with it. Um, and then you know uh, when you do it, it it's not going to be, you know, a clear and open road ahead. It's it's a hard way to live, um, but it is a way to live. And um, when things like this news that comes from Donald Trump come out, it just makes it harder for us, uh, you know, to to stay on the path. We, we need we're some great, wonderful, um, talented people who are transgendered and no different from anybody else, with that one caveat that they are transgender. But uh, by and large, uh, we're pretty similar to just about everybody else in society. Um, but we just need a little bit of understanding as to as to how difficult this is. And please don't make it more difficult for us because uh, it's, it's hard enough as it is. Patricia, we have to call it there. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. And I meant to do this off the top. Thank you for your service. Patricia McNorgan, our guest, a Winnipeg transgender woman who served in the Canadian military and reserves, reacting to the news that President Donald Trump has banned, barred transgender people from serving in the U.S. military. Global News at 2.30 is up next. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you till 4 o'clock. You want to read a text? Is it from Brenda? No, it was... Um, <laughs> it was related... Earlier was, this afternoon? It was related to your chat with Jeff. Okay, we'll get to that in just a moment. I yeah. want to give uh, Brenda a shout-out. Uh, Bulletin, uh, CJOB is a news station. Everyone else is reporting the news, and Trump is trending. Love you guys. Don't change a thing with a winky emojicon and a glass of wine. I'll take the glass of wine at 4.05. Thanks, Brenda. (laughs) Appreciate you listening. And, you know, sometimes we do tend to alter our path of discussion based on Donald Trump's name. Mm-hmm. And many people might think that we gravitate towards using using his name on the air. It's quite the opposite. I I don't like to talk about him unless we absolutely have to. Yeah. He's the president of the United States. He's going to be in the news a lot, just like Barack Obama was in the news a lot. And just like George W. Bush was in the news a lot. He's the leader of... The quote-unquote leader of the free world. Of course, he's going to be in our news all the time. And so just because we're talking about a policy that he's announced on Twitter, I didn't realize Twitter was a forum to announce uh, government policy or military policy, but apparently it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only shot I will take or bash that I will take at Trump. Uh, this is this is new to me and news to us here in the news-gathering world that uh, a tweet from a, a leader classifies as a, as a news release or, or a policy change, just because we're talking about this does not mean we're bashing. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't agree with the decision, but we had a conversation, as you mentioned, with someone that could not have been better to uh, give us an opinion on the situation, and that's what we do. We do opinion here. We do conversation from one till four, Mackling and McGarry, and I, you're feverishly looking for that 
Text message from Matt, aren't you? Oh, you know the text I'm talking about. I sure do. <laughs> Can I read it? Please. This you got to set the stage first. So, set the stage first. In, you, in case you weren't listening, Greg and I come in at roughly 12.50 every day to tee up what's coming up on our show. We do this on Jeff Courier's show. And Greg and Jeff had a little chat about the Parker lens and the, the clear-cutting that is happening. And Matt, and they, they went back and forth, and they were, it's, it's not uncommon for Greg and Jeff to disagree. Is that a fair statement? Oh, uh, completely true. Not with animosity. They just, you know, friends can disagree. And Matt says, hearing Jeff shut down GMAC with facts is great radio. CJLB should extend that bit for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> so thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. I didn't realize that's what it said earlier. I just knew that there was a text where somebody oh, made and it. it. Hey, and it's a good one. And uh, you know what? Here are the facts as I see them, Matt, if you're still listening. I have, in fact had experience in redeveloping existing property. It wasn't a huge piece of property. In fact, it was exactly 25 by 150 feet. Oh. Okay. It was an old house in uh, part of Elmwood that has undergone a little bit of uh, retransformation. And my brother and I, six years ago, pardon me, six years ago, purchased a piece of property that had an old house on it that was not suitable for habitation any longer. And in order to get a demolition permit for this house, we had to get a building permit for a new house. So I know a thing or two about navigating, certainly not on the scale that we're talking about in terms of the Parker lands, mm -hmm. hectares of land. But I do know that the city does have to approve things that you're doing on your property, things that you're doing on your land. Try building a fence uh, that isn't on your property or on the property line. You're going to have issues. Yep. Try putting in a driveway that's attached to a public street or a public back lane and not do it properly. Find out how much trouble you're in. Build a garage the wrong size without a permit or a deck that's uh, more than two feet off the ground without a permit and the city's approval. You want to talk about private ownership rights? You can't do whatever you want on your own property. There are limitations. There are, are building codes that are required, inspections that are required. And so Gem Equities, nine years ago, made a land transfer deal with the city. They swapped property. Gem mm -hmm. Equities owned some property in Fort Rouge. The city needed that property to expand its transit campus in Fort Rouge. They needed to build a larger garage. Well, they happen to have and own this land, Parker Lands, which parallel the CN Main Line, which runs along Taylor Avenue. And so this section of land is south of Taylor and to the east of Waverly, north of the soccer complex. A lot of people know where this is. A lot of people don't. In early June... Rumors were swirling that they that there was heavy machinery poised to begin clear-cutting parts of the Parker wetlands. Cal Duick, one of the voices speaking out against any destruction of the forested area in the heart of the city, talked to us about that. Told us that this is happening, we're hearing rumors, and that they're just going to come and do this. 
I reached out to city councillor, John Orlico. He told me that the property owner had no hindrances in place in terms of what they wanted to do with the land, in terms of preparing the land. And so for them to take down these trees, there was nothing the city could do. Although there is an agreement as part of this development, at least in the preliminary stages, to ensure a certain amount of green space and forest is preserved as a part of this new development. Now, you want to talk about facts? Yes. On June 9th, Andrew Marcus, the owner of Gem Equities, told me in an email, in writing, that he had zero intention of bulldozing or altering any of the Parker lands until there was a development plan in place and conversations with the city. That all changed July 13 when tree clearing equipment appeared. And let me tell you, it's done a ton of work in a few short hours. So I went out today. I wanted to know what all the hullabaloo was all about. It had been a long time since I'd been out in that part of the city. In fact, I'd never even walked through that forest in my lifetime. But when I pulled up and I saw all these trees that have been pulverized and just bulldozed down, I was shocked. Stark contrast to the forest that remains. Uh, Harrison Powder was the first person that I met, that I came upon. He's been camping out. They've got a little camp set up. They've been there for just about uh, three weeks now. And I asked him, point blank, Harrison, why are you here? I'm here to help stop the clear cutting um, from happening any further. Right now, 20% of the wetlands is clear cut in a matter of three hours. And uh, Indigenous people weren't consulted on any deals between the city and this land. Also as well, from what I understand, you know, the developer hasn't even met with the city to discuss the clear cutting here, you know, and preserving what can be preserved or anything like that, you know. So um, a group of us have gathered from, you know, different different groups and people have come together, Métis, Indigenous, um, non-Native, we have uh, supporters, settlers, you know. So we're all here for the same kind of goal, to, to stop the clear cutting. So there is an environmental issue here. There's a wilderness or a naturalist sort of point of view. And then there's also a, a question and a concern with regard to consultation uh, between First Nations communities, Métis communities as well, because that never took place when the land was transferred uh, from the city to Gem Equities. It was it happened really quick. I don't know if you'll remember this story uh, back from 2009, uh, Brett, but uh, in fact, it, it went to the floor of City Hall, and it was only because John Councillor Orlico at the time demanded some time to consult with the neighborhood that, that it even went ahead. And so it did go ahead. The transfer took place, but there were limited consultations, to be sure. And uh, Harrison Powder went on. I, I, I said, um, and, and, and he said that part of the concern is the lack of a plan for the site and an understanding of what's happening there. We would all be happy if there was some kind of plan in place, something between this developer and the city, you know, that at the same time we're 
We're made aware, indigenous people, Métis people are made aware of what's happened, you know. We're not consulted on this deal, but we should at least have some kind of input or voice to, you know, preserving the land, you know, because to us that's important, to us, to our people, you know, we're not just here for no reason, you know, we're working, we're taking time off of school and work, we're coming here because we believe what's happening is wrong. I don't know about you, but I, I admire people for standing up for things that they think are wrong. Yeah, if the cause is just, I think so. If they're doing it in a, a productive fashion, yeah. Well, Laura Pearson is someone else that I met there, and uh, she's a little more determined, Brett. She tells me that her vision for this part of the city is uh, much more defined. Did you see it as realistic to preserve all of what's here, or are you interested in trying to find a balance? What would your b- I'm, position I'm be? I'm actually interested in preserving what's left, because uh, there are a lot of... This is not vacant land. This is what developers think. Oh, this is vacant land. This is barren land. This is not vacant. This number of species of animals, plants, and birds living in these forests... Um, um, goes against that idea these are the voiceless we stand for the voiceless we stand for the people who can't go out to their cabin on the weekend who don't have vehicles I would ride my bike through here I would take the bus and many other people do many people walk their dogs through here they're devastated people have come here crying men women sick people Sick people have come in here. People on, on scooters have brought us coffee and water. There was a woman who came in here with severe um, health issues. She lugged in a whole thing of water for us, and she started bawling. This is affecting countless people. They are not having their voices heard. We feel that we have been ignored. There are many people out there who, have felt, who feel helpless and have just given up. You know, this is, unfortunately, this is the way of the world. And we're here to change that. You know, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll update the weather forecast here. Uh, I'm pro-development. I'm, pro- I'm pro-future. I'm pro-housing. I'm pro-Winnipeg growing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we have enough land. <laughs> we have enough places to do this that we don't need to do it indiscriminately, that we can have conversation about what's the best way to do it. If we're talking about bald prairie, reclaimed land, the Canada Packers, land that has been sitting vacant for three decades, like we can't find a development there, yet here we are cutting down forest and and a home to animals without a plan. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying let's do it in consultation. Let's do it responsibly. And it feels as though this has been done underhandedly. Like I said, I have an email from the developer who said, we have no intention of cutting any trees down until we have worked things out with the city. And they've gone back on that word. And and that rubs me the wrong way. The discussion will continue. We'll hear more of Greg's visit with these protesters after we look at your forecast, which is up next. This morning I was at the Parker Lands. Uh, there are protesters there. I'm sure you're aware of that. Uh, there's a decision 
in court today, actually, with regards to those protesters. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. Richard Cloutier is chasing the lawyer uh, for the protesters and for GEM Equities. I can tell you that the uh, motion... Uh, that was put before the judge today uh, was denied. So the protesters, at least at this point, will not be forcibly removed in spite of the uh, uh, requested injunction uh, by the developer. Harrison Powder, as I mentioned, was the first individual that I spoke to before the break. I told you, I'm a development guy. What Gem Equities is talking about here is kind of exciting. Infill development is critical. We've got a brand new transit way. And part of the success of that transit way has to do with transit-oriented development. This qualifies at, that, at this, but once again, this is about how this is going about it. And I asked Harrison Powder, are you anti-development? I had not been here for probably three or four years, and to say I was shocked at how much of this land had been cleared was not only surprising, but it was also upsetting to see, especially since I had exchanged emails with the developer, Andrew Marcus, who uh, told me that when these rumors first were starting to spread, that there would be uh, this action taken, clear-cutting of parts of the wetlands. He told me that that was uh, absolutely untrue and that he would not be doing any of that without consulting with the city about the development plan. Are you anti-development, Harrison? Well, I mean, realistically, I mean, I I wish I, I could be, right? But, you know, I have to, you know, I see what's happening here with the transit, why they want residential development here, you know. But at the same time, I'm opposed to cutting down all of this. There's, there's some of this needs to be preserved, if not like a good portion of it. Um, in my opinion, you know, I, I think it's just, it's, it's wrong what's happening here. You know, you see these, all these trees cut down, right? And, and it's all about greed, but in the same, in the same light, it's like, you know, it's, it's the city, right? They're developing, so you got to expect... You know, at least there should be some kind of negotiations or agreement to, you know, what, how much destruction is going to happen for the sake of residential development. Now, the fact that their camp is set up on either side of two massive pieces of, of machinery designed to clear cut uh, forest, Brett, was not lost on me in any way, shape or form. There's two very large pieces of, of equipment. I think there's a tent on the other side of of one, and then your camp is on the other side of the other. Uh, are these are these pieces of equipment here as hostage? Are they free to come and get this equipment? What's the situation with those two pieces of machinery? Well, they're not free to come and get them, that's for sure. <laughs> we, They'd be met with some resistance with yeah. the individuals if they tried to come and get them? Well, I don't know. They would be met with peaceful resistance, um, forms of direct action, other forms of protest, for sure. We're all nonviolent, peaceful people. But, you know, also, too, those are our bargaining chips, you know, those machines, right? We need that to... Uh, if we hadn't done what we did by physically blocking those machines and stopping the clear cutting, you know, he would have just kept continuing to destroy this, right? So at least this way we're getting, you know, the mayor's involved. Um, he's trying to, to 
have a pause to this, you know, thinks it's in the best interest of everybody. Media is involved. More people from the community are involved. We're bringing some attention to this. And no matter how you feel about it, um, these are people who believe what they believe and they're prepared to stand up for what they believe. And I think uh, people in our society are prepared to do that. They're not firing any bullets. Uh, they, they should be respected. And uh, at some point, this is going to come to a head, though, Brett. It is 2.56 on 680 CJOB. We are going to have Global News at 3 o'clock. And then after Global News, have you ever heard of Top Golf? If not, we're going to tell you about that. They're partnering up with Cineplex to bring their brand of entertainment to Canada. We'll see if they're coming to Winnipeg. It was getting a little warm in here, McGarry. I don't know if it was me or a combination of uh, my take on the Parkerland story or <laughs> our text messages or the fact that it was actually 23 degrees in here. 23.6 Yeeks. and climbing, so hopefully mm-hmm. something kicks in. Every so often, the the climate system in this building just goes a little awry. It has a mind of its own sometimes, I yeah. think. It's never worked. It's never worked since we moved in. It's always been a bit of a problem for our engineers, so... I hopefully we won't be calling them into, into action today. I know we've got a couple of things we've got to get to right away. Just want to let you know that Richard Cluche will have the lawyer for Gem Equities, which is the developer of the Parker lands, on the news at 4.35. Excellent update. Thank you for that, Greg. Uh, have you ever heard of Top Golf? I had not heard of it until three hours and seven minutes ago. Well... And we have Richard to thank for this as well, for alerting us to this. He said that Cineplex has signed an exclusive partnership to deal, or partnership deal to open Top Golf entertainment complexes across the country over the next several years. So coming up in about five to six minutes from now, we're going to speak with Top Golf. But before we do that, let's speak with Sarah Van Lang, who is the director of communications with Cineplex. Now, Sarah, as a, a golfer, I'm familiar with the Top Golf brand. Of course, as one of the couch potatoes, I am keenly familiar with the Cineplex. They're both entertainment giants, but I never would have thought to pair them up. So, how did this? partnership happen? So you know what? We are, well, first and foremost, we are diversifying our business, but um, at our core, Cineplex is all about entertaining people. So we entertain 75 million Canadians every year, and this is uh, the announcement, and the partnership with Topgolf is really um, a natural extension about what we do best, which is entertain. So for those who are unfamiliar with the Topgolf brand, how would you describe it? So Top Golf are typically um, three-story, 65,000 square feet. So they're huge complexes, um, and they feature hitting bays. So one side of the complex um, are all hitting bays, and um, and it's, it's golf, obviously, and it has microchipped um, balls or, yeah, microchipped golf balls that score themselves. So it's a really engaging and fun um, golf entertainment experience. There's also amazing food and drinks. And um, if you are, uh, uh, you know, a, a team or a group outing, then that's a really amazing thing. But if you're a young person looking to, you know, hone your skills, this is also a really great opportunity. And the best part is that it is all season. So how would that work with the all season? Would you have to build a, a complete indoor structure then? 
so that it's still it's still an outdoor structure. The the, the hitting bays then are just climate controlled. So um, Top Golf is actually a, a company that's based in in Dallas, Texas, where it gets really 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 hot. So if you consider that they'll be bringing that that kind of um, that kind of technology or those those climate controlled bays to to Canada, um, it would just be the the opposite. So in certain times of year, we have to think about um, keeping the bays warm. So you, I know you're planning to open a number of locations across Canada. Do you have any idea where they're going to be? So they will likely be in, obviously, large urban centres. Um, they do each require, I was talking about the size of these complexes, they do require about 12 acres of real estate um, so that they're, they're quite large complexes. But we are looking at, uh, at large urban communities across Canada. Winnipeg? Uh, we are not ruling anything out. We, uh, you know, one of the great things about this partnership is the fact that, um, you know, Cineplex has 164 theaters across Canada. We've got real, like, huge relationships with um, with landlords and developers across the country. So, I, I I look forward to future announcements. Sarah Van Lang, Director of Communications with Cineplex. I like how she very strategically tap danced around my question. Is it coming to Winnipeg? Come on! If you would have said, "Is it coming to Toronto?" she would said, of course it's coming to Toronto. (laughs) Vancouver? Absolutely. Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, all on our list. Winnipeg? Anything's possible, I suppose. (laughs) Well, Topgolf is going to join us after traffic and weather, and we'll put that question to them as well. Of course, I mean, it's early in the, in the, the, the partnership just happened, so we'll find out more as time goes by. But in the meantime, we will speak to Topgolf. That was Sarah Van Lang, Director of Communications with Cineplex. If you're just tuning in, Cineplex has partnered up with Topgolf to bring some locations to Canada, and we'll see if we can get some more information on where in Canada after we look at traffic and weather together next. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. We have been talking about a new partnership announced today between Cineplex signing an exclusive deal to open top golf entertainment complexes across the country over the next several years. We just had a quick chat with Sarah Van Lang, Director of Communications with Cineplex, and now we are joined live by Eric Anderson, who is co-chairman and CEO of Top Golf Entertainment Group. Eric, where are you contacting us from today? I'm in Boston today. You're in Boston. Wow. So you're all over the place because I understand Top Golf is based out of Texas. Is that correct? Yes, we have headquarters in uh, Texas and a big office in San Francisco. So Eric, before we go any further, can you send Brett one of your fancy microchipped golf balls because <laughs> he's whining and crying about the idea that golf balls are so expensive and that he hates losing them and if he had one of these golf balls, he'd never lose his, his golf ball again. Can can you help us out here? You know, I'll send you some of those, but, you know, he might test our technology. I've, I've heard stories, but we'll send you some. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I don't think, uh, it, does it does it come up when you hit it in the water? Because uh, I, I hit a lot of balls into the LaSalle River here in Manitoba. So. We'll have to probably take that part of the conversation offline to see if we can arrange something that will help you out. <laughs> so, Eric, my first exposure to this was today. Brett goes, you have not heard of this? And he showed it to me, and it's like, I'm in love. This is fantastic. Can you explain in uh, words for our listeners what Top Golf is? Well, sure, and we're so excited to be partnering with uh, Cineplex, of course. But we're a global sports entertainment 
company built around golf, obviously. And uh, our core offering has been, you know, uh, building golf entertainment centers around our proprietary technology, the RFID chips in the ball, so you can uh, play golf and sort of keep scoring the digital game, if you will. And then we surround that with, you know, um, entertainment center with great food and a lot of televisions and just a great time you can have with your friends while you're enjoying the, playing the game. Yeah, the sort of, uh, the, the, like if I were to, to make a, a really, and this is sort of a crude uh, comparison, but I, I sort of imagine it's almost like going to a bowling alley, but instead of a bowling alley, it's uh, a driving range because you, especially at night you've got lights and it's almost like an arcade and food and dancing and music and uh, it looks like a really great time. Yeah, you've, uh, you know, that's, People describe it that way, and I think that's a, a good way to get with the, you know, start with the description. But, yep, we we play the golf, you know, in the driving range in the outfield and surround it, like I said, with food and beverage, great staff, a lot of fun. So these these uh, entertainment complexes that you have, you have 33 of them in the U.S. and the United Kingdom. They are all outdoors, yeah? Uh, yes, they are, although we've recently... Uh, launched our swing suite uh, business, which has simulator technology, and you're able to play top golf and enjoy that uh, inside venues. We recently announced with the Atlanta Hawks, and we do some things with the Four Seasons. So that's an exciting, uh, exciting new product for us and experience as well. Eric, how many square feet would you need to have a, a an indoor top golf experience created? Indoor, well, if you. I don't know if you'd do the same thing if you did the full outfield. Of course, that's like eight, 12 acres. But if you're just doing a simulator, you know, then it's uh, 2,000 square feet. Now, the, uh, you, you've signed the deal with Cineplex. Do you have any idea as to where you will be opening up shop in Canada yet? I, I think I was listening to you. I think someone said Winnipeg. I can't help myself there. But uh, the, uh, no, we don't. We'll leave that with our partners. They've got, uh, I think they described we're going to be all over the country. And uh, they're working on their first locations, but I suspect they'll have some exciting announcement for us soon. We don't have the first one yet. Now, the I understand that uh, because it is the the, the most of the locations are outdoors. Uh, you have sort of climate controlled uh, areas, I guess, for when it gets cold. What is the? Do you know what the coldest location that you have on your roster? Well, we we're in Chicago. It's pretty chilly there. Uh, we're in Edison, New Jersey. We're in Colorado, and it can get pretty, you know, pretty cold there. So uh, we we do have the ability with our heaters, uh, with the heaters in the outfield, and the way we design the, the buildings so that it's pretty enclosed. Uh, it's we're able to give some reasonable climate control to it, both hot and cold. And here's one: um, what is what do you think Top Golf has done for the game? of golf in general in terms of maybe opening it up to people who would have not looked at golf as a form of entertainment prior to trying out your brand? That's a great question. We we are doing a lot for the golf. Uh, we're partnered with the PGA Tour and LPGA and PGA of America, and we know that we bring a lot of millennials, uh, a lot of women, and a lot of young families you know, to the game. Uh, we have uh, measured in millions of new golfers. Uh, there's been some great work done by the National Golf Foundation about, I think, a few million people who've uh, gone out to Greengrass Golf and done things with us um, as a result of playing top golf. It's a really easy way, you know, to get introduced to this great game. We make it fun, and you can 
hit all kinds of shots and get points. And then, of course, you can learn about the, a lot about the game with us as well as we offer full lesson experiences, of course. So as I'm sitting here talking to you, Eric, I get a text message from my buddy Steve, and it's a picture of Top Golf in Las Vegas. I guess he was there just a couple of weeks ago. So a pretty strong endorsement. Uh, when you can talk about something here in Winnipeg and within moments, uh, the talk show hosts are, are getting text messages from their buddies just saying, we might be a good market here for you, Eric, if you can put a good well, word in for us. Canada has been fantastic. In fact, it's been the place where country with the most ask questions about when are we coming to Canada and what are we doing and why aren't we in Canada? And we were trying to get, you know, all our ducks in a row and make sure we have all of our systems in place. And then we were so lucky and so pleased to get a great partner like Cineplex because the service level and the operations are significant and challenging. And, you know, they've got a fantastic history and a great culture like we have. So we're can't wait to be hitting golf balls in Canada and uh, helping your partner there find his ball, apparently. <laughs> so many lost balls, Eric. It's really, <laughs> don't bother sending any because it's just being, they'd be gone oh, uh, Believe me, I'm, I'm sending you some, some top golf hats and we're going to send you, we'll send you some golf balls just so, you know, you don't think we don't follow through. Okay, well, Eric Anderson, thank you so much for joining us today from Boston. Eric is the co-chairman and CEO of Top Golf Entertainment Group. Once again, Top Golf has signed an exclusive partnership deal with Cineplex to open a number of entertainment complexes across Canada over the next several years. And our fingers are crossed. Maybe one of those will be Winnipeg. 323 traffic will be coming up after the news because we only do weather up next. This is a band called The Commoners, and the single is called Walkin' South. This song was just released this past week through Fontana Gypsy Soul. And uh, here are a couple of worthwhile notes. It was number one on Spotify's official Rock Your Block Canadian Rock playlist. Already 60,000 spins. Nice! And it's doing a whole bunch of stuff across Canada on some of our affiliates. For example, 1021 The Edge, Alan Cross's Top yes, 11. Uh, Alan Cross, of course, the voice of the ongoing history of new music. And this the reason why we're playing this is there is a tie-in to the Winnipeg Barbecue and Blues Festival. And on the line with us to talk about that is Rick Fenton, who is the artist director for Winnipeg Barbecue and Blues, which is happening Winnipeg, August 11 and 12. Rick, thanks for joining us. I understand you are in Toronto today, yeah? I am indeed. How are you guys? I'm doing all right. How are you? Well, thanks. So what's the connection with the Commoners and the Winnipeg Barbecue and Blues Festival? Well, Winnipeg and Barbecue and Blues Festival, that's our sixth year, and the uh, the guys are playing there this year. They uh, called me up and said, look, we want to try and uh, come on out out west and uh, do the tour. So we were uh, awfully to have them, happy, happy to have them join us uh, at our festival and street party and uh, to come on down and have some fun with all the great other artists we've got there this year. I absolutely love the song you just played, Brett. And Rick, I have to ask you, where and when will we be able to see the commoners? 
Oh, you can see the Commoners on Saturday at 7 p.m. Um, just before, and then uh, just before everybody can head into the Burton Cummings Theater, we've got the Blind Boys of Alabama that night, and of course, a whole bunch of great food and uh, uh, 15 other acts playing outside uh, that night. And uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. We have to make sure we reference it by the right name. It's the 680 CJOB Winnipeg Barbecue and the Blues 680 Festival. 680 CJOB. <laughs> That's right. Come on, boys. Winnipeg You're falling down here. That's no right. question about it. Yeah. You betcha. I dropped the ball there. But uh, certainly, uh, yeah, like I, I had not heard of the commoners, so I'm kind of glad that we are doing this interview right now because uh, I always like to, to learn of new great Canadian rock. Where are these guys from? Uh, they're from Toronto and Environs. Uh, Commoners are a great band, a four-piece rock band, uh, rock and blues band. Um, yeah, things have been going great for them. So to say, we were awfully happy when they contacted us and said, look, we're uh, we're doing a quick tour out west. Do you guys mind? Uh, would you have us? And we said, absolutely. I've seen them before, and uh, they're a great band, along with, uh, I say, we're, we're blessed with a, uh, a plethora uh, of talent uh, on Friday and Saturday nights on the 11th and 12th of uh, of August. You already mentioned the Blind Boys of Alabama playing on Saturday yeah. night inside the Burton Cummings Theatre, the fabulous Thunderbirds featuring Kim Wilson, along with Monkey Junk, and a great local act, Romy Mays, will, will be there on Friday night. But this is a great combination of free entertainment along with the ability to go and see uh, some even bigger name acts uh, inside on the stage. Reminds me a little bit of what they do at Calgary Stampede, right? They have the, the free stage on the midway or just off the midway, and then they in conjunction with Stampede, they'll bring in some of the biggest acts and put those acts on stage as part of Stampede, but a separate ticket in the Saddle Dome. That's right. And uh, we've got to thank the Winnipeg Downtown Biz for helping us present the free show outside. And you're absolutely right. That's the model. Uh, and then outside of well, of course, uh, we're going to have 10 food stations plus vendors, um, all the barbecue you can get down. I've been joking going, there'll be chicken and ribs, and then there'll be, uh, you know, uh, uh, some other stuff and ribs, and then there'll be some more ribs. <laughs> we have a, Every year our patrons come to us and go, I think I, I think it's a black hole of ribs. I think ribs just disappear in there. No, I don't think there's too for Winnipeggers. I don't think there's too too many really good barbecue ribs out there for them. You know, you know what? And I don't think there's this, a thing as as too much ribs. We have a wild pig running running around the studio right now. That's the noise you heard just now. We're going <laughs> to grab it and uh, take it down to our friends at Lux Barbecue in Manitoba Pork. They're going to get together and have this uh, the, the, these stations of world class barbecue. As as you mentioned, Rick. Uh, do, do you prefer the baby back ribs, or do you like the the bigger the bigger uh, ribs, side ribs? Or you know, if it's low and slow and smoked and tender, it doesn't matter to me which part of the rib they come from. Yeah, and you know what? This is one. Well, that's we've been talking about the music, and now we sort of transition into the food. Uh, but uh, barbecuing, like. I was watching TV the other day, and my uh, commercial came on for some, I don't know, American outlet uh, just talking about barbecues, and he said, geez, barbecues are big nowadays. Like, actually, in not just big in, in uh, popularity, but in actual size. The size of the barbecues, I think, is a reflection, though, of yeah. the, the, the size of the popularity of barbecuing in general now. Yeah, absolutely. It's become a... Um, I mean, it was always something... I mean, Winnipeggers uh, have always been great barbecue enthusiasts, but yeah, I mean, it's taken off from the sauces to the, and I mean, I, I used to see a lot more bought sauces, and now I see a lot more people, you know, are making their own and their secret recipes and their rubs, and uh, 
you know, I, I mean, when you live in Canada, uh, you know, you got to make hay while the sun shines. And, um, you know, between outdoor festivals and barbecuing and enjoying it for the, uh, uh, the friend of mine from Europe calls it nine months of hockey and three months of bad ice. Um, you know, we get uh, we we get to go outside and enjoy ourselves, and and you know, sitting out with friends or at a festival and, and enjoying barbecue. Um, you know, it may have been uh, sort of invented down in the states. Oh, I don't know. I mean, some of the best barbecue I've ever had in Winnipeg is is you know, Filipino barbecue is pretty darn good. You know, so I, it's a worldwide culture. Rick, you are uh, well versed on this, and the bad ice, as long as it gets in to my Ryan Coke, I'm all good with it, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's the only place it belongs until December. Right on. Rick Fenton, he's the artistic director for the 680 CJOB Winnipeg Barbecue and Blues Festival presented by Lux Barbecue Company. It's coming to downtown Winnipeg, just outside the Walker Theatre. There's a street festival and then a plethora of fantastic entertainment, not only on the street, but inside the Burt as well. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster and uh, keep it locked here. Starts Friday, August 11th, and goes as well on the Saturday. Saturday, August the 12th. Rick, the weather here has been spectacular, and uh, hopefully that just uh, continues right through until the middle of August. Heck, it can go right through to the middle of October, but uh, for your purposes, as long as it goes till mid-August, things are looking good. Nice. Well, keep taking good thoughts, and of course, we'll see you guys down there. All right, Rick. Thanks again. Rick Fenton joining us from Toronto. And again, if you want more information on the band that we played off the top, the name of the band is The Commoners. That song is called Walkin' South. The album is No Stranger, and their website is thecommoners.ca. I was uh, pleasantly surprised when I looked at that. Well, Greg's showing me something on his phone. I, I'm downloading it onto my uh, iTunes uh Onto my Apple phone right now. <laughs> I like it, man. All right, that was quick. 346, traffic as well as weather up next. Congratulations to Pat Christie, who knew the answer to the question today. When did the Manitoba Stampede and Exhibition and Morris begin as a rodeo? The answer is 1964. It actually started as the largest... Uh, it was actually formed originally in 1895. The Valley Agricultural Society was originally established as an agriculture fair, but then it combined with a rodeo in 1964 to cool. become the annual event that is known by us the, today. It was actually just happened this past weekend. That is, that is completely true. Hey, we were talking about the Parker Land situation. We got a text message here. I can't read all of it, but... Jack says, my question is, if the same thing was happening to the Assiniboine Forest, would it be ignored? It strikes me as absolutely crazy that things like this sneak through the system without consultation with all stakeholders. It is irresponsible, it is underhanded, and is an indication of the growing distrust that we are all having with the city of Winnipeg. Great job on reporting this story. Richard Cluche is here, and you will have a little bit of an update. You are going to speak with the lawyers for Gem Equities and uh, Andrew Marquez. We will. After the 4.30 news, uh, we will speak with uh, their lawyer, Kevin Toyne, will join us. And, uh, yeah, we have some tough questions for Toyne. They unsuccessfully were looking for 
uh, a, a process that would speed up a hearing to get those protesters off that land. And uh, a key part of that is an email that you received. We'll speak about that after the 4.30 news. We're celebrating the Canada Summer Games and the Torch Relay. More coming up on the 4 o'clock news. And one of the key organizers of that event will join us. Michelle Lissell of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, formerly of Global News, is out with our San Diego Chargers uh, fans who are now... Their adopted team is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll hear from Michelle and the day, and I guess you get to spend some time with them tomorrow, right? All afternoon tomorrow. Really looking forward to showing them around. It's a lifelong quest of mine to be a a chauffeur and also to be a tour guide of our city of Winnipeg. So thanks for all the suggestions today. As I tell everybody in radio, we are one failed ratings book away from being able to do that, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) There's still hope. <laughs> Richard Gucci, thank you very much. The news from four until seven on six eighty CJOB. And uh, where have you decided what you're going to do yet to start? Nope. Are you kidding me? We have to fish through and sort through all these fabulous text messages. I've also received some emails, so we're going to do our best. We have to be super efficient. With the geography here, right? Because we only have so much time. We want to make sure we hit the hot spots and a couple of less obvious locations, ones that other that you know that that might be off the the radar, that might uh, show our guests how charming our city is and something a little bit unique. So uh, I don't have any doubt that within that list, we can accomplish all those things. Really looking forward to it. Where are you picking them up from? Picking up from their, I think we're picking them up from their hotel, which is in uh, St. James. And I think it's been determined that our first stop is going to be the brand new Winnipeg sign. And okay. we're going to make our way from there. Yeah, that's probably a good place Down to start. Down at the forks, yeah. Get them uh, that sort of postcard kind of shot. Right. Okay. Then they can put that on their internet social medias. And, uh, exactly. And, and actually you will fulfill your obligations that were laid out yesterday that is true it'll be 24 hours late and i will photoshop you into the picture no that's okay i don't you don't need to be in it no oh well i'd say i'm gonna miss you too tomorrow you know (laughs) i I know i sense this uh this uh you're not purposely being left out here somebody has to drive the bus here from 680 cgob master control and in the studio here and uh, you're the natural choice i'm gonna crash the bus so we'll (laughs) And on that optimistic note, the news is up next.